With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome back to Post Show Recaps coverage of 1899. We are back to chat about episode 5, The Calling. Uh, of course, I'm not alone on the ship heading toward America. First, someone whose name I think secretly might be Maura Henriette Singleton, but who knows? It's DM Philly. Philly, how are you doing? I am excellent. I have a lot of names out here on the internet. You do. I could definitely take that one. Yep. You do have a lot of names. Yep. Um, and next, I think someone who could fit an entire mental asylum and a burned down farmhouse inside of a ship. It's Ariel. Ariel, how are you doing? I was trying to see if I could fit inside this little like cupboard box so that you could then oh. like put a broomstick across the handles and make me stuck inside. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, what an episode. Uh, Ariel, I think uh, we, we hopped off the line for episode four. This is definitely what happens. I presume that we all leave the podcast and immediately go watch the episode uh, mm-hmm. at some point within like the next like few hours. And I think you were the first one because you sent the emoji with the star eyes. And then I was very excited and I watched it immediately. And I also wanted to send the emoji with star, the eyes. star eyes. And I think, Rich, if you agree, then we'll just post the emoji with star eyes. And then that's our review. of episode. I, I thought I did post the emoji with star eyes, but maybe I'm just forgetting. I mean, maybe you made me forget. I thought that I remembered doing that, but yeah, well, I don't. Well, definitely an emoji with star eyes worthy episode. Perhaps the biggest episode of the season, I think, in terms of unraveling this mystery certainly some things get said particularly by mora who's like basically i think telling us exactly what's happening on the show potentially which i think mm-hmm. actually does track i'm not going to spoil dark but i think in terms of I've been re-watching dark and i think one of the things i forgot is that the show is not that many episodes and so things happen kind of sooner than i remembered them like there's oh, yeah. reveals in dark that i thought happened like the beginning of season two and episode four it's like yeah this is a thing and you're like whoa wow that's really quick uh, mm-hmm. And so I feel like five half just past the halfway point of season one of 1899 does actually make a lot of sense in terms of make putting a big thing on the board, aka the calling, this ticking sound that is going to lure people off of the ship. Um, and it also, I think, serves another purpose, which is to save money on the extras budget. <laughs> um <laughs> i too have been re-watching dark and mm-hmm. i feel you right i think that uh no spoilers but so much uh, there's a lot of clarity that you get by the end of season one and i'm having that same experience of like oh gosh there's a lot like coming at you pretty straightforward we did get a lot of information this episode and i think that we can take a lot of it with a pretty uh a, a certain measure of like accuracy or or kind of faith to it i know uh part of what's like exciting about this is we have the like like Josh Wiggler full binge podcast waiting for us yeah. to listen to when we wrap up. Yeah. And I'm like looking forward to that. But I know hearing from him, uh, his standout take that he gave me, I was like, okay, I finished the calling. And he was like, I think it's my favorite episode of the season. Uh, it was a really like big one pinnacle. So I, I was blown away. I really was like riveted. This one star eyes emoji indeed, Ariel. I'm, I'm with you. 
a star on a star to quote mm-hmm. uh white lotus season two i mm-hmm. yeah i i have to uh pair it with the two of you have said i think i'm not going to be the one that doesn't mention dark so in in dark <laughs> they're like uh-huh. uh Episode five was a big one, and mm-hmm. this one feels the same way, and I just loved it. There's there's stuff in this that feels, especially towards the end, that feels like endgamey. Like this is like we're getting at like some of like the big universe um stuff and and uh mechanism, perhaps, and like all these different things going on, perhaps even a big bad, and like it you really start to feel it and like i'll be honest episode four was the first one where i was like okay i think this jumped from good to great and episode five it's like wow this could like jump to the next level like it's really it's really exciting what what it feels like the show is now capable of after this episode yeah. Not to put the Prometheus in front of the Kerberos, but I felt like a lot of the music in episode five too really evoked big dark vibes for me too, uh, as I had dark front of mind. But there was just like uh, so much of the kind of uh, score of this episode that really pulled me right back to dark. So yeah, dark at the front of the mind. You can get me every time with the um, uh, the score that is just like women breathing. Haunting I don't know. Vocals, Did you, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like no. that. You're like, oh, don't make me get goosebumps, Grace. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> well, I'll give you some time to relax. I'll just remind folks to make sure they're subscribed. PosterRecaps.com slash 1899 to get all of our 1899 coverage. That feed will then become our dark rewatch podcast as we head into the caves of Winden. So make sure you are subscribed. Please rate and review. It's very helpful for people to get on board uh, the the, uh, Cerberus here to be on uh, on board for 1899 coverage and also uh, make sure they join us as we dive back into the TV show Dark once we're done with 1899. But let's chat a little bit about episode five, The Calling. So we're going to start. The boy is locked in the cabinet. Mora's going to wake up uh, uh, from uh, from, uh, this dream. Uh, uh, Tove comes and joins the loyalists. Uh, Mora is uh, shot at while she tries to save the boy. Uh, he's just going to straight up stop time. Uh, he's going to uh, come out of the cabinet, uh, head with, with Mora. They're going to leave. Time restarts and everybody is confused. At that exact moment, a ticking will begin. It causes the shipmates to just, just start walking towards the edge of the ship and jumping off, including very sadly, Yuxie and Crester, two of the notable names who jump off of the ship into the ocean and are saved by the Cthulhu monsters, Rich. Um, (laughs) The boy will tell Moira uh, that they are listening on a piece of paper and says, if you want answers, you have to ask the creator. Uh, He enters a shaft, uses the beetle to open up seemingly a portal of sorts where she goes to a mental asylum. She's going to go there while the boy waits behind. Daniel's going to follow and find the boy. The boy says, Moira doesn't remember. This is the furthest we've got. Um, the Cerberus is, uh, gets another message saying sink ship. Mora goes to room one, uh, sorry, 1011 in the asylum, the same room number on, on the ship uh, that she has, where her father appears and asks her where she's hiding it. Uh, she asks where Kieran is, and she's told, you're not asking the right questions. She gets strapped into a chair, injected with the substance, and wakes back up on the ship. She sees Ike and tells her that her father owns the company, that his uh, her name is Mora henriette singleton her father is henry singleton um and she the letter is directed to her because uh her brother who thought that um she was her father's favorite called her henry because her real name is henriette uh, ike is going to show that his name he signed off on the prometheus passenger list and that he must have been the captain um, she's going to use the beetle to enter ike's burned house with him 
Um, Daniel manages to stop the ticking by using his device plugged into the control panel. Eventually, we're going to have Mora, Ike, Mrs. Wilson, Angel, Ramiro, Jerome, Tove, Ivan, Anker, Franz, Sebastian, Lucien, Clements, Daniel, and presumably the boy are the only ones left. Um, and then in a uh, very nice office, uh, Henry Singleton says, I need the boy. And he looks out the window and he sees the pyramid that we saw in episode one that's sort of in the middle of nowhere. That's the calling. Uh, Rich, give me your first uh, your first thoughts. Oh my gosh, there is just so much to take apart, I think, in all of this. Um, I felt like episode four, there maybe weren't as many details to hook up to for me to like really kind of dig into the meta text of what we're dealing with on the show. But this episode, I think, gave us a lot. Like, I mean, I think especially in that end, in that final kind of three minute sequence as we drop in on Henry Singleton, you have Black Sabbath playing the wizard uh, yeah. again, like a 1970s song. I noted that in the office there, there's like duplicates of all these things everything is like paired two phones two electric typewriters two of all these different things uh just the whole like context of this final song like uh about like this kind of wizard who just appears on top of you is darkness kind of looming everything huge kind of wizard of oz vibes right the man behind the curtain looming over everything i'm really smitten with this episode i also thought that for a show that we've talked about being a little more horror oriented than dark was this was the first one where i was really chilled a little bit i think we've mm -hmm. been dealing with like a lot of emotional baggage and trauma in our main characters that we're exploring there's clearly a lot of psychology involved in 1899 that we're kind of delving into but the actual just straight up shots of the people hurling themselves off the side of the ship in mass uh like maybe like a little too close to home but like in recent weeks like i'd been talking to you grace offline about how i recently had gone back to look at a bunch of september 11th documentaries mm -hmm. and that being so front of mind for me like this was chilling this was straight up like disturbing and chilling on a level that i don't think any of the other episodes have gotten to so far right even to the extent of like throwing the child off the edge of the boat which is like pretty heavy um this one really got to me she was already right. dead She's already yeah, it's true. Uh, I think I think the the most chilling is is um I believe it's episode two where he goes back in time and you find out that like his wife had killed his children and now he's like there while she's singing a lullaby and I'm like that's very horror-y. Uh, and we actually end up going back there although we don't see them. But uh, Ariel, what'd you think of this one? I, I I loved it. Like in the beginning, and there were parts of it that, and to be clear, these things made me laugh. But because it's it's executed at such a high level me laughing and having like a humorous reaction to these things that i'm gonna say like did not at all take me out of the thing it was just like a hilarious like separate thing like the fact that they stuffed the kid back in the cat yeah they just lock him back in mm -hmm. just, i couldn't i laughed so hard like who did that like who physically was the one who put him in there um and then the other thing was like the idea that they were like all right if you're an extra you got only only series <laughs> regulars can stay everybody no crosser no like it's just like if you, well i never learned her name so i can't um yeah but so incredible the idea that like these um you know we had seen some flashes obviously of 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 these first few characters returning to these places seemingly actually physically returning to those places and then to see like that this underground passage which at the beginning of this episode i was pissed i was like why have people not explored these passages like 
Ake knows about it. It seems not that many like Beatles to learn about it. Not enough yeah, Beatles. Not many Beatles, but like they, oh, they, they yes, know that they can help you. Yes, where do you want to go? Technically, there was five. That's if we count Yeah, because yeah. Ake did go down, and then it's just the bricks. Okay, fine, fine. I resend. I resend. It was just like yeah. a, a a well. So it was just like a well with nowhere to go. Fine. Okay, we need the Beatles. Um, but the idea that that the rooms physically could be different. It's not just that. Yeah, perhaps like either. I mean, we don't know for sure, but it seems like either it was that each well was like a wormhole or a transportation system to these worlds. But then it seems like it's physically there in a way. And obviously the time space of it doesn't match with the ship. But like the idea of each door only leads to one place versus multiple places, I think is something I want to keep track of. But it's incredible. Like they exploded the universe within an episode that made in a way that made total sense and was totally trackable and frankly felt like, okay, well, you need to do this now or you're going to start to like lose me. So I'm really happy. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, I don't know. Moira comes out of this thing being like, okay, my dad is Henry Singleton and he's obsessed with brains. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I think that this might be a dream. I, I I know in episode one, we're like, is it all, is this is going to be an all a dream? And mm -hmm. I definitely do trust these showrunners to, to take like a trip of either this whole thing is a dream, a simulation, what have you. But I have to think at this point, we're not, on, we're not really on it. We're not really on a ship, which is all, like, I, I, I do, I do feel like one of the things I think I'm impressed with by this episode is that even if it's some sort of simulation dream like trance, they're all hooked up into their little matrix pods. Um, we do seemingly like we lose Yukje and Crester. I, th I think it was a good move for this not to be like, uh, like obviously by the end of the episode, it's like, yeah, these are all the people we know. Everybody who's still here is named except for the boy who is the boy. Um, but everybody else. Yeah. Like the unnamed people, but they do choose to take some people. And one who I thought, had some you know was like one of my favorite characters on the show so far and crester um, crester was like a real surprise uj maybe a little bit less so right as like it seemed like her role had moved forward but crester seemed like the most important person of that little nuclear family almost right yeah yeah uh yeah for sure and so um he he heads off the the ship so i'm, I'm wondering why did the people who are who did not you know become entranced there was a little bit of like this like oh it might happen to you later it might kick in later but obviously all the people who are like you know you're not you're like yeah obviously i and mora are not getting like you know sucked into jumping off the ship so so why is that happening and why all of these other people who are also still on the ship rich i'm wondering it's really remarkable and tough to say i think this whole notion that she is talking about i think this thing is an experiment uh my father wanted to like understand the human consciousness she thinks she found out what was going on in the ships before but he made her forget again felt like a really important word to attach to the end of that sentence and ike's the one who's like so what are you saying this is some kind of dream uh and amidst like my crazy digging again i'm like looking back at like carl young and like freud and their kind of interpretation of dreams we're talking like deep psychology brain function and young who has this like deep connection with the beetle with synchronicity uh had like a really opposing viewpoint to freud about the notion of dreams and the function of dreams and his whole theory was that ultimately dreams uh they don't like deceive or lie to us they're not like going to distort or disguise the truth that they're leading us towards a sense of wholeness that they're essentially like driving the ego and the self towards like compressing with one another and like connecting that ultimately like the self is trying to tell the ego what it does 
doesn't know, but what it should. These are Jung's words, not mine. And this was like a great point of divergence between him and Freud as like contemporaries in the early days of psychology, right? So this notion of the truth and the truth that like we're seeing on the screen, not necessarily being true to reality, but it being true to like the emotional state of this list of people that you wrote out at the end, Grace, of which I am very glad that I'm not the only one to list all those people standing on the deck, right? Uh, the notion that there is like... That's when they you know, took the cast photo. Yeah, They're like, really. hey, we're all here. All the For important real. people They were like, excuse me, Captain Ike, you got to move. We can't see Oleg. <laughs> we can't see Oleg. And, oh, yeah. And Oleg, we got to move Oleg, a little bit. Oleg is up there. I didn't know. Oleg, Oleg and Yingli so. are there, but they are behind Captain Ike. He is like overtly yeah. like blocking yeah. them. I got crazy Ooh. with this one, you guys. I was like looking at the blocking of a bunch of shots, but uh, I really like, like, like what might it represent. Yeah, it seemed like yeah. interesting to me that he's kind of like omitting them. And the other big shot of when the kid's like kind of coming out of the cupboard and the time gets frozen and we're looking with Moira's perspective at everybody and you have Tove off to the right, isolated, and then Ike like not far from her. And the whole mass of like these kind of invisible NPCs are like off on the left side of the ship. All the extras that are about to jump are like removed from the rest of them. But um, I'm really like hooked in on this idea that like while the ship and the reality that we're seeing on the screen may not be true to what is happening in the real world that there's like an implicit kind of like emotional truth about these characters that we're like rooting and boiling down into right uh the other big reveal that like tove has some kind of like she killed someone in her past right that craster calls her out on this before he jumps everybody's killed somebody it's old news tove ramiro killed somebody you're not Lungier special somebody. you're not special tove okay everybody killed somebody god it is. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, though. She's like joining a club of like, uh, you know, the like happy sailing murderers over here making their mm -hmm. way to the U.S. of A. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ariel, what do you what do you what do you make of this crew remaining on the on the deck of the ship by the end of the episode? I think um, obviously there was a there was a clearing of the board in mm -hmm. in a good way <laughs> all respect to those oh, r.i.p crest i'll mess i'll miss oh. you yeah and there is the idea of i mean and i think you 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 mentioned this a little bit but mora kind of says um you know i think that we're not she says something along the lines of like questioning the reality of where they are right like how yeah. how authentic is it that we are actually on this ship i think is what she's really getting at and that coupled with so to me it's not like a dream and this might be like semantics to some people but to me it's not a dream sequence it's more like a possibility of like an induced reality a la matrix because honestly at the very beginning when the time stopped that felt very matrix to me they're in an old-timey room with big stairs it was very matrix uh, not Revolutions, the one before Matrix Reloaded, where Neo like first stops all the bullets in the Chateau scene. Like, I was like, this is incredible. I'm so happy about this. Um, it's Daniel, so who's think, like fully sideways. Yeah. Did uh, did, yeah. right? Did uh, did the host mention anything about the Matrix at TIFF, Grace, or it was only it was only lost? No, no, just lost. Yeah. All right, fine, fine, mm -hmm. fine. fair, fair, fair. The Matrix uh, um, yeah, are right, right. huge, though, Ariel. I'm with you, right? Yeah. I mean, it's literally like the bullet stop, right? It's it's yeah. right there. Yeah. So for me. I'm pretty in on this is a dream, this is simulation, whatever. They're not really on the ship. But, you know, and, and and there's a world where you can just say like, oh my God, they're doing the Matrix or they're doing whatever. But I think what I trust about the show is like, you know, to, to, to Dark is a time travel show and they and they pull that one off brilliantly. Like there's been a ton of time travel stuff. And so which I trust these people. So my, my now question goes to, as we see Henry 
um, at the end of the episode. Uh, and he wants the boy. So bring me the boy. Um, he also asks Moira, he says, where did you hide it? Uh, where, where is it? And he tells her she's asking the wrong questions. So to the, to the thing of episode one, we kind of theorized, we thought immediately, okay, yeah, maybe it's, you know, dream world simulation, whatever. But why? What what do they actually want? If he's so obsessed with the brain, what is he actually trying to unlock by experimenting people on experimenting on people mm-hmm. on the ship? Is it about is it about control? I mean, he he did he was able to convince people, even in their minds, to uh, to jump off the side of a ship. Uh, he just he just did that. Um, we I speculated about is this about eternal life? Like we saw the people dying. I did. I think I'm I think I'm now. Like, I, I think um, I was thinking that those people would come back to life. They'd like wake up that they were only like in a like uh, a trance more more or less. But I don't think that that's true now that they've like been thrown off the side of the ship and jumped off the ship. But right. so what is the thing? Uh, so what is the thing that Henry is actually trying to experiment on and, and, and try to uncover um, uh, here that and I, I, I think that. You know, I think that, uh, yeah, I was going to say some stuff and I think it spoils dark. So I will not do that. But um, I think Henry Singleton is a very interesting character as to what his motives are because it will unlock a lot, I think. And now I'm remembering like the very beginning of it when Maura is talking about, and I mean the very beginning of the first episode, um, when Maura is talking about like everything that is. Everything that's all lost knowledge will be found. is unlocked, right? Oh. Everything that's lost will be found, but like every, like the brain contains all the knowledge of the universe. Yes, the brain is wider than the sky it. and deeper than the ocean. Yeah, which, so like, so the idea, to your point, Grace, the idea that he's trying to either solve for something or unlock some power by like mining the the parameters and the limits or non-limits of the brain, I think is, I think is enticing to me. So, yeah, and I mean, the whole, this whole notion that the brain uh, is limitless, it's it's wider than the oceans, it's it's further than the sky. It's like playing on what they're talking about about the ship, right? I mean, that's like explicitly what Moira and Ike are talking about, where Ike is saying, how can an entire landscape fit inside of this ship? And she's like, nobody, there's two. Like, there's a separate one underneath my room that's leading to my traumatic nightmares from my past. And I know you love the German lullaby, Grace. I, I do love you, the like, German lullaby. I don't know if you clocked any of, like, the language here as we drop mm-hmm. in on the Ike thing and we're, like, looking at the words. And the whole, like, refrain here is, thoughts are free. Who can guess what they might be? They fly like shadows in the night. No one can know them. No hunter can shoot them. And so it'll always be that thoughts are free, right? And I, I find it, like, really interesting that when Mora's talking about her dad, the fixation that he has is not with tech technology it's not with like advancing some new technology per se it is about like delving into the human mind and i think amidst these people those who have murdered the murderers club that we got in like half of them right ike is like he didn't like kill his family but he is putting that baggage on himself right fundamentally he's like carrying around the guilt as though like my choice led my wife to like kill all of these people and take my whole family which is not a healthy state but so this idea of like healing from trauma or like digging in the trauma like a thing that i know when crester jumps they go through all the motions they all kind of then tie themselves up right tove yeah. and anchor and ivan all of them are like down tied up and as they untie themselves once daniel like shuts the metronome off they collapse into each other as a family for the first time we see like even crack she like is no longer got the sociopathic crazy eyes she begins like weeping with her husband and her daughter as they console each other and it's like the first time that we've seen this functional like nuclear family unit the the one of like very few that are on the ship 
have a moment of healing and love and like bonding together or however you want to look at it. Angel right? and Ramiro have kind of one too, where he's, he's sort of like, like he, the, the way they've tied, he's tied himself is that he's like leaning on Ramiro. So yeah. yeah, I'm really curious, but Angel seemed to be affected by the metronome and was, did not climb out to jump. Like as Ramiro comes to them, he is recounting and he's singing an entirely different song in Spanish. And I'm like really going nuts, you guys, but I'm like writing down what he said and he's singing, uh, the uh -huh. Tirana has, and I'm like, okay, what is a Tirana? Have you guys ever heard of this? But I look it up. That's the capital. It's a capital of Ontario, Tirana. Uh, that's actually a very good poet. <laughs> you got me there. The Tirana. Uh, the Tirana is a composition of Hindu classical vocal music in which like certain sounds are rendered in a particular like rate of pacing. And I think this like ticking, it's not a clock. It's a metronome, which is like often used in hypnosis therapy and all kinds of like different psychological treatments, especially at the turn of the century by like early psychologists and, and this idea that these people are like hypnotized by the metronome. So like, I don't know where any of this is going. Going, but these are a bunch of disparate ideas that I'm just throwing at you, Ariel. What do you think about any of that? Oh, I'm still stuck on the Tirana joke. Um, Thanks. I, <laughs> Chris is like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I mean, the, the family thing that you mentioned earlier, like, sticks with me because there is that moment of, like, I just thought of when the stakes are in most family units, right? Even a found family unit, like, when stakes are high, you find a way to to kind of cut through the bullshit and communicate openly or communicate what's important for even just for like small pockets of time, right? Like this thing is mm -hmm. fleeting, but like for right now, we're all on the same page and we're all like locked in as to what's important. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what it means. And I was trying to look for, for a deeper meaning as to like the tying up itself and like what that could, what that could represent. Um, but uh I don't know. Some of well, the pairings were interesting, right? Oleg like ties himself literally to Yingli and like Tove is like tied up next to um what's his name there? Franz. Like there were a couple of interesting pairings. The Jerome and Lucien Clements one really was interesting to me too, Grace. So one thing I think about the uh, about family units is that we get a lot of information this episode about Mora. This whole like, yeah, the letter's not for her. Uh like I like, is for your father? And it's like, no, this is what my brother called me because I was so much like my father. My father loved was like I was his favorite. This is really interesting to me that she she's like her father is really interesting. It, it this makes me very worried about Mora as a character in terms of what she was up to before her dad seemingly like institutionalizes her um, that I feel like there could be a reveal coming at some point in terms of that. It's actually Moira who be, who got really close to doing something pretty dangerous in terms of unlocking something that Henry actually had to make sure she was not able to, to, to do. And then he Ooh, starts like studying gray perhaps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the other piece here is about the brother. And so she says, um, uh, you know, he figured out what my father was doing. He wanted me to meet at the Southampton docks. She went and waited for him, but he never showed up. And then she learned that one day earlier, the Prometheus uh, had left from the same dock. And her father, she knows that her father had bought the Prometheus along with the Cerberus and one other ship. Um, and so she presumes that her brother is on that ship, but then her name is the one that's on the passenger list. 
And I don't know what to make of any of this, but there's a lot of like, if this whole thing is a dream simulation and she's like, yeah, I went to the docks and he wasn't there, but the ship had just left. But then we're also to presume that both Ike and Mora were like on the Prometheus as well, potentially. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot here. And then the other piece about Henry, I think is very interesting that we, I, I would like to dive into is, is we know that the boy has a pyramid and we've seen so far that the pyramid can teleport you and it can stop time altogether, which might be how he's, I guess, teleporting, I guess, is that he, I guess we can just presume that, I guess we can't presume, but I guess the idea that like, he's able to stop time and he like swims and like, towards the boat around. and, and yeah. he moves around and that's how he ends up back in the thing. And then he starts time again and voila, he's back in, the, he's in the cabinet. Uh, Henry has a, a big old pyramid outside of his office, like a very big one, a, a, like a humongous, humongous pyramid. Like, like a full size, like uh real pyramid. Wait, real quick not to derail but like rich there is a difference between Hard to derail when you're on a ship a <laughs> we, have the we have a pyramid and i mean like now i'm talking like shapes in general in life sure we have a pyramid that has a square bottom right Pres presumably the one outside of his office versus like a triangle die correct me if i'm wrong in D, &D the triangle die is triangle and all Right. Uh, yeah. Every edge is a triangle, every right? And these four triangles that are put together to in a pyramid. The shape that the boys, well, I guess it's a pyramid too. I don't know what to call it if it doesn't have uh, a square on the bottom. But um, I this thing about this thing about the boy is so fascinating because we get the we get this interaction. I believe it's the first interaction between uh, Daniel Salace and and himself would have been my previous theory i saw like some discussion i think it was on the discord about how like this is his dad to me this had big um like older brother vibes i know where hmm. it's like the 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 uh the subtlety it, it's so uh i guess it's like you know it, it depends on how you you uh you're kind of interpreting it but to me the affection was more brotherly which if let's say the boy's a robot maybe he's like this is a different version, like an earlier version of a different mm -hmm. robot. Uh, but to me, it wasn't like father son. It was a little bit more like peer to peer, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I did not note like the base of the pyramid outside of um, for for Henry's definitely it would office. be a square on the bottom. And I'm just trying to see if I can catch a glimpse. Fascinating of the, of the boys. I just, I just scrubbed to it to the well to the big pyramid outside of. Definitely a square Henry's on the bottom. Versus, yeah, that definitely see we are even though we're only looking at two sides, it definitely is giving like square bottom. That's interesting because that's like a lot of like the Aztec architecture that we mm -hmm. see that are like pyramid-like. I mean, they 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 have a lot of four-sided structures down there. But just to like go back for a second to that scene you're talking about, Grace, where she's like explaining all this stuff to Ike and she's talking about how that's the same timeline as the Prometheus left and my brother, and that was right around the time that I lost my and then the line like cuts yeah, off yeah, and yeah, she yeah, sees yeah. the beetle, right? I was and so this, mad. I'm so mad again. It's fantastic, right? I mean, the way that like they ping it so quickly that we will forget. And Ike is like completely like overwhelmed by it. But then we like to shift to where you are, Ariel. Like, I think I'm buying on Grace's theory here from last week to suggest that there's like a familiar, uh, a familial dynamic between them. Like, I, I, I do think that the boy is a bot. I think I'm like big on that. And I think that when Henry's like, where did you put it? He's talking about the bot boy, you know? 
And I do also think that there's something to what you were talking about in your, uh, you know, baseless speculation of last episode, Grace, that I can very much like see a world now where Daniel, like that whole, you brought her here and the boys, like she doesn't remember, but he's shaking his head. No. I did mm-hmm. not bring her here. It's suggesting almost that like she brought herself, that it opened like intuitively to this place, that Henry is sending them here. It wasn't like the boy's intentionality to bring Moira back to this place, the, the hill with the asylum on it. And very notably, a single grave with like a cross kind of head marker. But I do think there's something to this notion that like Daniel and Mora could have been like married or, or the husbands and the boy might be some like replication of their child. Like some bit of that feels very accurate to me. I, the the shaking his head, I caught that too. I, I read that more as like, not that he didn't bring her here, but that he's like, he's like, this is how it's supposed to work and it's not working. This is just like, he's like, they're not almost speaking the same thing to each other right like he's like now they know we're here that's what now it knows we're here is what it says is what daniel says and then he says she doesn't remember uh or something like like it's close enough right like i feel like his shaking of the head is like he he's past what like daniel's worrying about something that the boy is the boy had put all of his like hopes on like this will unlock the fact that she'll remember that she's my mom essentially and and all he can do in this moment when daniel like follows them in is be like she doesn't remember like this this was pointless like it didn't work mm-hmm. um it's really sad i it's think sad. um i will say his triangle thing is definitely like a like a like a die uh like a yeah six-sided. it's literally like, like, like a, a four-sided, four-sided it's a quadrahedral die. if we want to like get really like technical yeah like, uh, let's because, do it yeah we dig that right because we're like picking it up so it's not like you know you don't count the floor of something as a side though like we kind of could uh realistically right. i love the other beat here that like i mean amidst we got so much information but amidst what daniel is like saying to the boy in that scene where they come through he's like uh i need to like sink the ship and actually it's it's later on where he's saying like he's down messing with the machine and like if i don't stop this it's all gonna happen again right and the idea that this whole thing is gonna like reset and resequence and like it's all mirrored and they're third in kind of a loop and a simulation and like third ship, third ship. Third it's ship coming it's coming it's coming where it all gets reset and they're on a third ship and they're all gonna not remember i think he also uh was coming. dropping a lot of f-bombs daniel salache getting aggravated this episode you guys also uh we did not uh that's a bury the lead here but the boy talked for the first time yeah and uh good little actor can i like a critique something kind of harshly why did they have the boy write on a post-it note and then immediately speak six seconds afterwards you think you put a little bit of space between like his first communication and they're like oh by the way i can actually talk and my handwriting is pretty terrible so i'm just gonna leave <laughs> to you anyway like it really like sent me a little bit i was like okay 1899 like I mean, this is annoying me that just annoyed me yeah um Shots the other thing here is Friday. daniel said like so they open up the beetle and and it's the boy who goes down he holds the beetle out opens oh. the door then more comes down and is like oh my god yeah okay a big portal into the mental asylum mm-hmm. and Daniel comes out and he follows and he says, now it knows we're here, which again mm-hmm. makes me think that this is a simulation because, because it's like, now we've unlocked something in this, like the, the computer is going to be triggered that like, we're, we're on the website. We shouldn't be on, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's like, uh, uh, there's going to be an alert that we have changed, changed the system or whatever. Um, I, it, it's so incredibly cool. Like we have, so we have Daniel with his little, 
survivor slide puzzle except mm -hmm. high tech mm -hmm. um and what he says what he actually says to to his other bot self whatever to the boy is i need to stop them before they sink the ship yes so uh like clearly he is he is defying and obviously this is clear from their conversation like you just said rich of like i I need to do that. Then now they know, right now they know that we're, we're working against them kind of thing because they've been alerted. So obviously they're standing in some kind of, as some kind of antagonist to whoever is ostensibly doing this experiment question mark. Um, but then we find out that speaking of the slide puzzle, that there's somebody else. And I think this is who they, who the person who Mora's father at the end mentions, mm -hmm. uh, there is the, I think captain Ike's like number two also has a slide puzzle. Sebastian, I presume. And we yep. see in two separate cases, both Daniel and I think Sebastian, as Grace just said, put other people to sleep using the slide puzzle. So it's not just that the slide puzzle has powers over that machine. The slide puzzle has powers over other people. Other subjects, perhaps? Just know. a long sleep, too. I mean, I think mm -hmm. it is a sleep I shall not <laughs> wake from. Death? You know? think, like, I think that they killed those guys. I mean, Sebastian drags the mm. other dude out of the cabin and, like, presumably throws him over the edge of the boat, right? Yeah, and I think, I think the fact that that might be a piece of tech that's um, either more advanced than the triangle um, or, or that it's born out of the triangle or something because Henry wants the boy. And it's really interesting when, when the boy speaks for the first time, he says, they are listening. He says, if you want to know what the ticking sound is, ask the creator. Presumably he means Henry. But then Henry's like, yeah, I need the boy. Like, give me the boy. And you think that the boy has a way to like reach out to the creator. Uh, he's like, yeah, ask the creator. It's just like, that man is looking for you, boy. I don't know if you want to be like getting Mora to like talk to the creator. Um, but he has this triangle that seems to, this pyramid that's very powerful. Um, and, and Sebastian and, and Daniel have them as well. And you would think that if the triangle is more powerful, Daniel would just take it from Daniel would just get it from, but, but, but doesn't he ask at the beginning, like, did you find it yet? That's what he, that's what Daniel yes. asked the boy in a previous episode. So yes. have we, have I just been missing that the boy, just puts the pyramid behind his back every time Daniel walks. Well, in the I room think there might be there might be another it, right? I mean, the big beat with like the boy and Daniel is there. Like the boy says to Daniel, like we've never gotten this far before, right? I mean, clearly, uh, much like a beloved this. show that I know that I will not name check here, but like this has happened before and it will happen it will again. Happen again. Right? Exactly. I mean, there is like a cyclical nature that clearly Daniel and the boy, at the very least, are like hyper aware of the context of what's happening around them to an extent that nobody else is. And they have like pushed through this many times that like Mora being here in this yes. circumstance seems like it's going to be some type of catalyst or like a key or like a beetle vanishing through a wall to unlock what happens next. Right. Yeah. And like transition, break this kind of pattern. Uh, and Mora's also going to break the wheel. Yeah. I well, guess. Daniel, on this on the Prometheus, when we get when we get the, right, when they go find the Prometheus. There's nobody on the ship except they find the boy and they find and, and Daniel, we presume, teleport swims over um, onto the thing. And you can presume that like this type of sort of like, uh, oh, my God, it, like there's nobody. I need other people with me so that we can like stop this. Like this is a, a somewhat of a, a numbers game that like mm -hmm. they can just like turn on the ticking sound and everybody can jump off the ship. And now, like, you know, t t at some point, perhaps by the end of the Prometheus is run. Like Moira's gone, Ike's gone. Like they've been through this before and they end up like dying 
jumping off the ship, whatever happens to them that stops them. And he needs this time to be able to stop the ticking sound, to be able to like work with all of them in on it. But he's also not just being like, Hey, I know this sounds crazy, but uh, they're actually experimenting on us and we got to figure out how to stop it. Like he's not, he's, he's holding some of his cards quite close to his chest, which leads me to believe that he might also have something that he's trying to, to or maybe he doesn't, uh, you know, perhaps from the, pre that there are people who are, like Sebastian, right? Sending signals back. And he, you know, this is like a game of like uh, Among Us or he can't just like say like, hey, I'm the good guy because the bad guy will kill him. The bad guy also has, Sebastian also has a device that could potentially knock Daniel to sleep. Yeah, I don't mean to like beat the horse to death with like these th same theories again and again. But again, this whole like young synchronicity thing and like the notion of the beetle that he was talking about is like you need the person to come to the realization on their own. You need some type of outside catalyst, like that little like parable I've recounted a few times of like the therapy session and the beetle comes to the window. Like he needed an external catalyst that he could then take and provide to the patient to be like, look, look, it is not me telling you this thing that is going to change the way you think but i'm going to show you something that we can like objectively just acknowledge as like this is reality it's happening right now around us and once you are like impacted by this event that has occurred as minor as it is it's going to like internally change the way that you are processing uh your own stuff right and so this mm -hmm. notion that like daniel can't just tell them hey this is what's going on uh because like the human mind will like do backflips and crazy gymnastics to believe what it wants to believe right and mm. and to like validate the patterns that like we are seeking to validate right to the extent mm. of like jerome breaking in on like lucian and he's like you're here to kill me you know like right. like people are inclined to believe what they are going to believe and it's sometimes hard to rattle that with you just your words but when you can give them something external like it's hard yeah. to dispute that right I also don't or, think any of those other people are dead because so either they don't exist or they're not dead because the fact that um, Daniel presumably kills Ada makes me feel better about Daniel if he didn't kill Ada because he just knows that like eventually they're just going to send a ticking noise. You're going to jump off the ship anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are the do we think if this is a simulation? Maybe I should save it for baseless speculation. No, this are, is fine. Are these people all in the pyramid outside of Henry's window? <sighs> hmm. Oh, because maybe the pyramid, the inside of the pyramid, seemingly the outside of it, but the inside of the period, pyramid, excuse me, matches the black uh, bricks that we see in the bottom of those wells that they that they. Uh, well, also the the you know the the background noise of the episode. I did joke about it, but this like you know the women like breathing and making noises. You know that's just a kind of like an eerie sound altogether. But is there something too? If you can unlock the brain, is it the like? Is it that like? So is there something very philosophical about the way that you? So to this point about Daniel as well, that the only he has to do some like you know he has to very he can't just come out and say hey here's the thing that's happening. You have to like almost use brain power to be able to convince other people to use their brain their brain power right so is there anything to this idea that henry is trying to unlock the brain power of the people inside the pyramid who are the people inside the ship in order to control the rest of the world that he needs that that his pyramid you can you you unlock the brain power of the people inside the pyramid where where you have where there's the most amount of space right the space in your brain is is endless oh, you're talking yeah. about like energy and like mm -hmm. and 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 Things that you can make real can all happen with yes. inside your brain. And that he is like 
uh, and I feel like this also works from a sort of like the technology level of which we've seen the show at, like kind of like the mixture of like seventies and like, you know, old school, like compasses, but then also like the, the tube televisions. Right. But this idea that like inside the pyramid, he can unlock their brains, which then like the pyramid is a very powerful device that this boy has that this, now this large pyramid with the people inside of being experiments on can sort of like reach out and, and control the masses make them do what they want and i could see that from a like what is the big what is the big bad villain of the show want which is there is this like world where he could say i mean this is kind of the like argument of fascism a lot is that like people have these like lives that are like yeah i don't make any money i'm poor i can't afford any you know well yeah this one man will fix it if you if, and we just all listen to what this one man does my life will be better who cares if like anybody else's life gets effed up but my life is better and so that he can just be like yeah well i'll just put him in the pyramid we'll use the pyramid it controls everybody and now you all listen to me and the world will be fixed and we like won't have any of the problems in the world because everybody will be under my control so straight up grace as soon as we drop in on him and the black sabbath starts playing i mean again it's black sabbath the wizard from 1970 and one of the lines here evil power disappears demons worry when the wizard is near he turns tears to joy everyone's happy when the wizard walks by right and he's got like i mean it's very much wizard of oz vibes right this is the man behind the curtain like making things move and shake he's clearly like got his finger on the pulse computers machines like I, i do want his office it's very nice. It's a very nice office. Very nice. Uh, notably, the guy who comes in to talk to him, like big American accent, which we have not heard oh, from yeah. anybody else. Yes, yet. absolutely true. And very, um, there's something, I guess, similar to technology. There's something modern about the way the guy looks, right? He's like a his clothes bald, a little with bit. like a mustache. Um, haha. He, uh, wait, hold on, Ariel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that man is so attractive. I cannot believe how attractive that the man is. Dashing man. He struck me. The a modern man with a mustache. Like that the, the, is just the pinnacle of the just pinnacle like of modern. They must be trying to make a bunch of these type of men is this perfection is this a perfection is 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 to the scientists um no but i love the idea of like this this pyramid perhaps like using this brain power like you both are getting at or kind of collecting this power and maybe transporting it somewhere or like pointing it up right the idea that like the pyramid is pointing upwards perhaps like collecting it and sending it somewhere or kind of um you know pooling it somewhere i think is really cool the idea of like these people being enlightened a la lost when they wake up or don't wake up, you know, activated. You all were talking about like the things, things that you have to say to people in order to kind of make them remember that felt very lost to me. Um, but yeah, this, this attractive man, I don't know. I don't know that I can, I can skip. <laughs> my favorite thing so far. They must be trying to recreate these, these, uh, this, the peak of humanity. This man. <laughs> it's the final iteration of the bot, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. This, um, this, no way. No way. This is, uh, is there any chance that this is like that? And I don't mean like, does he think he's doing good, right? Because the most compelling villains are the ones who are like, no, I'm I'm trying to change the world for the better. But is there any world in which he's actually the good guy? I don't. Yes, think there absolutely, there is a I million so. percent. I think that like we cannot count on and any of the motivations of the people that we know so far. As, that's like, basically my like Moira was actually the one who's like, look what yeah. I can do, and he's the one who's actually like, uh, no, uh, you know, he stops her and no, puts her in the mental asylum. Yeah. yeah, and I yeah. and I I th- I may have already talked about this but or in a, in a previous episode but we do see the people and i kept waiting for this to become a thing because the fact that we see the injections 
uh, syringes being injected into necks so prevalently in the opening credits Mm -hmm. um that was clearly going to be a thing and now it's it's making a lot more sense here yeah the other piece that i was thinking about is is so all of these people who get left right there's so many of them who we have seen so far and we you know we make this joke about tove like you know you're not the only one who's killed somebody but they you know that's Mm -hmm. that you know i think is an important thing to just to just note that this is three people who we've now like yeah three yeah three people four if you count like angel and ramiro together we don't know exactly who did what that they have all killed somebody that you know and this fact that like um so i think that there's something to how you harness this power has to be through trauma trauma is what unlocks um uh these moments because if this is a simulation and you're trying to harness the you know the brain power you 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 know why not put ike on a on a ship with his with his kids why not put her why not put him on with nina but it clearly they need him to be a sad man who knows that his wife uh um is died right like he, they they all they all need to have trauma related uh, uh to them this is more is about to say i lost my and we don't know um who that is right so uh or what it is right but we yeah that's like three people in a row angel and ramiro put put them together ling yi and then and then um lucian they've all killed people to and antove to be so there's more than that all these people have killed somebody and now are on the ship and are struggling with like the trauma of either being on the run or dealing with the consequences of what they've done right and if we can escalate it a little bit, it's beyond trauma of like, oh, my parents were terrible to me or, oh, like I had this hard life. There's self-loathing, right? right? There's all this like internalized guilt. They're all looking at themselves of like, I did this thing, right? Ramiro, like you made me kill a man. I'm wearing his clothes because you can't like keep it together, right? Crestor is like getting on Tove. We can make like assumptions about why, but like, again, even though Ike didn't like presumably kill any of his family, he is like carrying that same kind of personal uh, guilt about his choices impacting their choices leading to their deaths and so that kind of like uh, angst within yourself you know this notion that like how could you love anybody else if you can't love yourself how do you forgive yourself how do you move forward with that the kind of like power of it and the psychology of it like if we're looking at the brain as this place of like limitless potential then what is like the limitless torment that you can create within that same space if you're going to like flagellate yourself daily for uh the transgressions you believe you have committed in your days right there's just like kind of so much complexity buried in all of that that the psychological part of the show is what's really like intriguing me like more so than even like a lot of the technological aspects and teleportation uh, you know time stopping weird ships like all this stuff is right up my ballpark but like ali uh i don't know mixing metaphors uh, i love it i love sports i love your narrow yeah. I love the narrow field that you play baseball on. Yeah, it's right, it's right up, it's right yeah, up field your ga- goals. Narrow field goals. Hold right? on, That's hold like- on. It's right up your galley. Yeah, yes, <laughs> nailed it, nailed it. That's nailed a ship it. joke. That's a sh- that's ship humor. Um, yeah, yeah. I you mentioned yeah. like the the uh, the the pinnacle or like the uh, no, I'm not talking about the guy again. I'm talking about the like the potential of unlocking like the full potential of things. And I just wonder that kind of caught my attention as far as, because I've been thinking about the title, right. Of the show, 1899 and why that Mm -hmm. year. And like, even if that isn't quote unquote, the time that we find ourselves in as far as 
this uh, Mora's dad, who we finally meet in person at the end of this episode, he seems like he's perhaps either existing outside of time, existing. I just I just realized for myself, maybe within another simulation, right? Like who's to say that oh that's even God. real? Yes. Um, ha ha. <laughs> but but the idea of like perhaps 1899 is a year that was chosen because of some kind of potential that existed in that year, a la like Y2K. 100 years later like it's it's fascinating to consider turn of the century stuff i think i know why they picked 1899 though you guys you ready uh so hey, on january 10th 1899 the british inventor david Massell obtained the first u.s patent for a flashlight the electric torch uh which we see daniel with downstairs wow. and so i think probably they just picked 1899 to really get us with that one scene where we would be like this is impossible how could he have a flashlight in 1899 and then we would go to google and then it would be like well actually it was a patented january that year so it makes total sense that he would have a flashlight get over it nerd like can really i tell you that about a month ago there's a literal episode of the adventure zone at dnd play podcast where they do this exact joke where they're like he's mm -hmm. like uh do i have a flashlight and he's like yeah and he looks up when the flashlight was invented he's like yeah it's uh may 15th uh, uh and my friend frank invented the flashlight yesterday <laughs> uh and so this yeah so i'm like this is the second time i'm like hearing this this like uh this, this very funny that's bit. pretty funny it's but i love i love when it happens in the episode where he takes out the flashlight because when it happened in the episode so, he takes out the flashlight and i immediately was like wait is that futuristic compared to them and then to have the other guy say which even with the fact that you just said rich it makes sense that it would not have yet trickled down to quote unquote the commoner like a person wouldn't have seen that unless they were you know high society or whatever but it just felt so much more new than a la his little slide puzzle thing than what the people would have been exposed to here at that point i think it's from i think it's from the future actually i think I the too. flashlight is still from the future i don't think yeah it's like no it looks I, i'm sure that the a the original flashlight was not that compact so, so I think, I think you're right, if yeah. we really like deep dive it a little bit a lot of people are like talking online is it an led flashlight because they didn't start making those until <laughs> the late 2010s and then you got people like no 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 i know that exact model that's a mag light that's a mini mag light which would have been yes, available as seen on tv which haven't been invented yet uh, true early 1970s which seems like a very relevant time period for us I, I really am like bringing up the scene because i think it's interesting that we have a uh, garlic guy's buddy who then is going to like beat down daniel salache with the shovel and be like he was right you're a wolf <laughs> you're one good. of the wolves <laughs> and good. so i'm just going to like the fairy tale of it all and like i'm really starting to think about wolves now and like you got like the granny wolf of like the little red riding hood fame who very notably is like a master of disguise right uh is like a, a wolf oh, in yeah, grandma's wolf in clothing, clothing. Yeah. we don't know who it is or then you got the big bad wolf who's blowing houses over left and right like they're out here dealing with the fog and the wind the and the rain i'm back to, like wolf? i could see daniel being like okay hey they want to sink the cerberus and maybe not and they're like i don't know buddy uh you know cerberus oh, right. is a dog which is like a wolf a canine yeah i don't know yeah the idea that this has happened before crying wolf i think there's something to that grace there's a there's a there there yeah i don't know but yeah he does have tech okay. he does have future technology and i do is like garlic, i mean is garlic going to be important to the end game maybe mm -hmm. well i think mm -hmm. um you know, I think at the end of episode two, we zoom out on those TVs that are like definitely like 60s, 70s TVs, you know. Um, so, yeah, we obviously know that uh, there is future tech that is not available in 1899 that they're that they're dealing with the pyramid as well. But I mean, mm -hmm. technology that we've seen. So, yeah, boy, this was a good episode. I love yeah. the beetle. Do you think we'll get a beetle name? 
Mm, I don't know. I feel like no, I don't know. I don't scare. I feel like they, it's a scarab, right? It's cooler to call it a scarab than a, than a, a scarab. Beetle. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna he's gonna get dialogue in the finale. He's gonna be like, Yes, I'm a scarab. Yes, it's Paul. me, Pete. Yes. I got this new job after the other boys kicked me out. <laughs> they want to sink the ship, but I have this yellow submarine. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think that the beetles are supposed to represent literal bugs in the system? Are we like hooked up oh. on that? Oh, Rich, I That's love good. that. That feels so oh. matrix. Like That's the the physical representation of a thing yeah it felt like overt to me you know i was going like deeper i'm always like reaching too far for the metaphor so i'm looking at like all the egyptian mythology and then like young and like all this very kind of far reaching beetle stuff but also i think like it is a bug it's a literal bug running around and like we have a sense Uh that like the boy and daniel specifically are at least according to like what we understand as of now they are opposed to the powers that be when it comes to the ship right Right. the beetle is like not inherently part of the ship system and these two using it to like subvert that it feels a little more on point right oh i can i can explain rich why he writes down the thing but then he speaks which is well so he writes down the thing and then we know that he's like against the presumably the creator is henry and that he's opposed to him and he in his head is like oh god i have a really good sarcastic joke and i just can't help but say it out loud which is like ask the i guess ask the creator i guess you know so that's why because he can't much like myself he can't help but say a joke when he thinks of it. when it's that good you got to go for it i do yeah. think uh, as much as i'm like throwing darts here i think there's a little bit where like he writes down they are listening and so the idea is like he doesn't want to tip off whoever is listening the fact that he's telling mora that they are listening but he's willing to like say the rest of it because like it's not that big of a deal you know uh he's like oh ask the creator and that's maybe a little bit subversive uh yeah 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 or he does want the creator to listen right i guess there mm-hmm. could be that too mm-hmm. yeah um or any base any baseless speculation i feel like we did a lot of it i feel like it's becoming more and more interwoven into uh-huh. our recaps that we're just throwing <laughs> things out there that like uh um yeah, yeah that the, 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 the pyramid is a here that the pyramid is uh, basically a cell tower for brains, uh, yes. apparently. 5G. Is this all about 5G? Oh, <laughs> no, don't. Oh, no, they're vaccinated. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, just in time, 18, uh, 1918 right. was the flu epidemic. Yeah, so. really, it's coming. They better get those vaccines going. Uh, just to, like the one thing that I wanted to know before we shifted to baseless speculation is all this stuff with Tove. As we see, like Tove kind of flip on her family and like go to the captain, and as she's talking to Crestor before he jumps, and she's like, "Hey, you can't really believe this. You understand that like hearing voices in your head is not a sign of God; uh-huh. it's a sign of mental illness." And what she's like saying to her mom is that she created her own world her own truths and we just all followed her along right uh, yeah, and that okay. seems like a very relevant idea given the like greater themes that we're talking about here in terms of like what is true what isn't true the reality of simulation like the brain delving uh, I really thought like Tove had a great episode also notably like she breaks up Daniel Salache and Ike when they start fighting like I love the pregnant like lady stepping into the middle of these two grown men being petulant yes. little boys and like Get a hold of yourselves. <laughs> like, what are you idiots doing? Tove doesn't care. And I love the idea because I believe it was this episode that she we she reveals to us via her conversation with with Crestor that their plan was to like get away from their parents yep. once they got to America. Like they were gonna yep. sneak away, and that plan is becoming le- I mean, yeah, obviously there are no like church. Yeah. More more important things are happening on the ship that have kind of like derailed that plan, obviously, but uh 
it's just it's kind of sad, especially if you know we're I don't think Crestor's dead, but how long is it gonna take for him to possibly even return? I guess remains to be yeah. seen. Um, interesting. I do have two bits of crazy baseless I, speculation yeah. if you want them. Well, I have some thoughts. I was just going to say very quickly. I think that uh, I said earlier about the Among Us thing that like uh, Daniel needing to be coy about who's I th I still think Clements is a sp is like works for the company because she has the earrings. So I think there's that. I also just want to point out when they go to the uh, asylum, is it has they always used me mental health to me feels like a more modern term that I we're like, we use mental health, mm -hmm. uh, but the building says mental health. And like mm -hmm. my, in my head, it'd be like, yeah, this is like an asylum from like 1899. It's going to say like center for the criminally insane. You know, It's like going to be like mm -hmm. something that's way more like explicit than just like mental health. That feels right. like she's going into her own, like she's going into her own mental health. Anyway, whatever. I Ooh. think you're on point right. uh, with yeah. that. The other last thing also was that Virginia was about to jump over the rail, she right? Was Virginia, about to... like very like, fully. Oh, hello. Definitely wasn't realm. doing anything embarrassing here, like jumping off of the ship. Hello. So like Virginia Franklin. and Angel, I'm clocking as like the two people that have remained that were like deeply affected by this metronome, which seems important. Um, I, I was think... kind of disappointed when Virginia did. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, no. With that dress too, that gown is like magnificent, man. It would have been a parachute. I, okay. I wonder if, um, so if these are people who actually haven't killed people, um, they've just been near. So if Ramiro actually ended up killing the person, but Angel is near, he's Ooh. closer to that. So he it affects him later, but then he actually starts to get. Uh, and the same way that Mrs. Wilson has never killed anybody, but like been in around enough like shady business that she knows like she would have caused somebody's death or like whatever, but didn't actually kill somebody whereas the only person i'm like uh-oh is oleg who i feel like is so innocent and the fact that maybe he killed somebody i feel no. i do not like that at all franz i'm like yeah you definitely killed somebody i don't care what you say oh, uh, yeah, oleg franz i'm like a lot of people i think no. yeah the, the polish boy from the coal he definitely didn't kill anybody so yeah but anyway Holy you get it was there one more rich or that was that was your uh, I think that that is it. I'm sure I will yeah. remember something as soon as we're done recording, but those were most of my beats. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yep. Well, that's okay. We'll be back uh, uh, again in a few days time with our episode six coverage of 1899. We'll be three quarters of the way through by the time we're done with that podcast, which is pretty wild. Oh, yeah, I know. Sad. I feel a little sad about that, but given where we are going next, I'm not that sad about that. So it's okay. I'm really excited to see how this wraps up and I'm very excited for the rest of our adventure. Yep. Um, all right, Rich, in the meantime, where else can people find you? Oh, my gosh, all over the place, Grace. So you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at DM Philly. I'll let you know everything I got going on there. You can catch me at Twitch, twitch.tv slash DM Philly, where I'm playing D&D a couple times a month at least. I am podcasting about Willow. The series premiere just dropped. My friend Taylor Ball and I are taking it apart. We are loving it. It is over the top and silly and fun is the big takeaway for it. Uh, Melissa Woodward and I are ramping up coverage for His Dark Materials. Season 3 is going to be dropping early December. We recapped 1 and 2 with big heavy recaps caps really detailed but we're very excited to see what that show looks like uh, and of course i'm talking about star wars we got a few more podcasts coming even though andor is wrapped uh that's about it for me ariel what about you i'm trying to catch up with i'm trying to catch up on andor honestly um uh but i am also on twitter at that other ariel i am covering Movies with you, Grace, mm -hmm. on Pusher mm -hmm. Recaps Theater. We did uh, Glass Onion, spoiler free, which was super fun. We'll be Bones back. And all. Uh, yes, and then Bones oh. and All, and we ate that whole movie up. Oh. Uh, and we'll be covering. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. And we'll be covering uh, Violent Night, I think it's Yeah, called. the Santa action-packed Santa. thriller. What if Stranger Things, but Santa? Um, What's that guy's name? Jim, Jim uh, not Jim Harbaugh. Harper. The, Harper the, is his, our Harper? Hopper. Hopper. Hopper, Hopper, Hopper is like a bunny. Yeah. yeah. I just like uh, that he's like... All right, so uh, on one of the most successful and most watched shows of 2022, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. David Harbour is like, I think I'll go play grungy, Santa. grungy yeah. Santa. It's like move yeah. over Billy Bob Thornton. Um, I'm also uh, covering the White Lotus with Dr. Amanda as we careen towards the, uh, you know, speaking of people falling off a ship potentially uh, or into the waters <laughs> towards the finale of white lotus season two and i really really do in light of now our out in the open announcement of our dark full series rewatch yes. please go watch the series if you yeah, want go to at it. all listen yeah. to us because i already know one of the first things i'm going to say and it's basically a spoiler for the end of the series so you need to <laughs> if you're interested you need to go watch it and i think you'll enjoy it i hope so it's a masterful TV show. And if you're digging 1899 and you have not seen it, I cannot encourage you deeply enough to go get your eyes on it and watch it before we fire it up. So you can join us while we take it all apart and do the deep dive. I definitely agree. I was just closing some of my tabs here. I like uh, the show is, is making me have some wild uh, Google searches includes yeah. uh, Tirana. Mm-hmm. What year was the flashlight invented? <laughs> galley is a ship just to confirm that before I make the joke that a galley is uh-huh. a ship and, and werewolf fairy tales is uh, all things that I Googled during uh-huh. this pod. So yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to those. Uh, uh, I'm also covering the crown with Shannon Gus, another Netflix show. That's been very fun. And yeah, over on Rob as a podcast, I have Roll Call. We recently played Spyfall. It was very fun. You can catch the replay on the Twitch and YouTube channels. Um, and yeah, I'm on Twitter at Hi From Grace. I'm on Letterbox at Go For Grace if you want to follow me on there. We'll be back in a few days' time with our episode six coverage of 1899. Until then, bye bye. <laughs>